0: Good evening, everybody. It's good to see everybody out tonight. Looking forward uh, to worshiping our Lord together. But just a few things, uh, real quickly. Welcome. Uh, if you're uh, if you're joining us online, uh, thank you. And uh, uh, we have a uh, QR code for those of you that are visiting uh, with us tonight. Uh, we'd love to connect with you, get to know you better, and we're glad that you're here. And then uh, between the two buildings there in the hallway, as you've probably seen, we have a food collection for uh, the soldiers out at Camp Leonard Wood. And so uh, please. Uh, Bring some goods for that. If you have any questions, you can see uh, Brother Tim Huggins. And then the kids' spring trip is coming up uh, Saturday, March 30th. It's $15 for ages 12 and up, $10 for ages 3 through 11. And the payment is due by Sunday, March 10th, so you don't want to miss that. And then, teenagers and parents of teens, uh, the $50 deposit for camp is due by March 7th, so that's just a few weeks away. Um, You can do it either online. Or um, see me, you can give me the money, and then I can make that deposit for you, whichever uh, works better for you there. And uh, before we get into our Missionaries of the Week, uh, one more announcement. Golden Prayer Warriors, you all will be having breakfast with the stars on Saturday, March 16th at 8.30 a.m. And that'll be at the Golden Corral in Greenwood on 135. And there'll be a, there's a sign-up sheet uh, between the buildings as well, so you guys can sign up for that. <clears throat> And our missionaries of the week are Jim and Myra Wright. They do furlough replacement. They just um, finished a replacement in Canada. They're right now they're in Berlin, Germany, uh, to fill their role for the tallies. And so they're praying for fruit um, there and for uh, safe, safety. And then they'll, they'll be going to South Korea in seven for seven months, beginning April 7th. And so right now they're in Germany, and then in April they'll be heading over to South Korea. And so um, they're praying for um, effective translators in South Korea when they get there. Uh, and then, if we could remember Michael and Sonja, uh, they're German friends who need to be saved. If I could have the ushers, please come forward um, this evening. And Brother Ed, uh, could you pray for our missionaries of the rights and the offering and our service tonight?
1: Lord, tonight we come to you thanking you for all that you do for us. Lord tonight, we lift up the rights to you as they're going to be traveling soon and we just pray, Lord, that everything would work out to your glory in their lives. Lord, just give them safety and that they would be able to get to the field fast. Lord, I pray for our uh, service tonight. I pray for Brother Ray as he preaches the word of God and that you would be glorified through it all. We pray that you would help us to use this offering to the furtherance of the gospel. And Lord, may everything we do and say this night bring honor and glory to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Right, as you know, we're going to be voting tonight um, for a potential youth pastor, and so I've just been praying for the past couple weeks, Lord, just give our church wisdom and give us guidance and direction. So we're going to start by saying, guide me, thou great Jehovah. I love where it says, I am weak, but thou art mighty, right? We need his help tonight, and so we're praying for that. So you can remain seated as we sing. Guide me. Jordan.
3: and anniversaries is what we're ready for. Okay, yes, I had a birthday. I was saved June 5th, 1977, so that's me. But somebody else also had a birthday yesterday, my birthday buddy Tucker. How old are you, Tucker? Ten. And how long have you known the Lord as your Savior? Say it again. Four years, that is wonderful. We share a birthday, we look a lot alike too, don't you think? Matt, you had a birthday too, Matthias had a birthday, when was your birthday? Uh, Yes, today. Today, oh wow, okay. How old are you? Thirteen. Thirteen? Wow, and how long have you known the Lord as your Savior? Seven years. Seven years, thirteen, man that's a dangerous age, (laughs) Thirteen. Miss Anna had a birthday. When was your birthday? Are you asking me or telling me? Was it Wednesday? Tuesday, the 13th. Tuesday? oh, the 13th. All right. And uh, how long have you known the Lord as your Savior? Seven years. And how old are you? She turned 15. <laughs> wow, okay, I'm confused. <laughs> 15. She's like, don't talk to me, I don't like these. <laughs> Matt, when was your birthday? Uh, November. It was our anniversary. Oh, it was your anniversary. <laughs> All right. Good. I was going to say, well, you celebrate your birthday? We're, okay. And uh, how many years? Ten. years. All right. Fantastic. Where is your dear sweet wife? In the nursery. In the nursery. Okay. Well, you can say whatever you want then. All right. All right. Anybody else? William, did you have a birthday? Have a, when was your birthday, William? Monday, the 12th. All right. You and Abraham Lincoln. Right? Fantastic. Are you as old as Abraham Lincoln? Yeah. No. How old are you? <laughs> How old are you, William? Seven? I can almost remember seven. Have we? Maybe. Any... When did you ask Jesus into your heart, William? Six months ago? Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. Miss Charity, somebody reminded me today, I, I don't know how this came up, somebody said I was, I was watching John and Charity's wedding online, alright, so if you, know, if you didn't know, it's out there, and my sermon today reminded them of it, and so they said, Pastor, do you realize that in the middle of their wedding, you looked them straight in the eye and said, Charity suffereth long. Laughter I said, I wish I'd have thought of that then, because I would have made a lot out of it. <laughs> so when was your birthday, Miss Charity? Um, on Wednesday, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. nice. And how long have you known the Lord as your Savior? 18 years. 18 years, praise the Lord. That's Norman Lila Green had an anniversary. Norman Lila Green had an anniversary. Do you know how many it was? <laughs> oh, let's ask them. They're here. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm like, they're not back where they normally. Are. How many years has it been, Brother Norm? 57, 57 years. Wow. All right. Praise the Lord. I
4: was saying 103
3: to start with. <laughs> it just seems that way, right? <laughs> we'll come back to you and get that in just a moment. Who else do we have? Miss Joy had a birthday. When was your birthday? Wednesday. Wednesday. Man, a lot of Valentine's babies. All right. And how long have you known the Lord is your Savior? 23 years. 23 years. Amen. Matthew Fox, is he here? I don't see Matthew Fox. Somebody said he had a birthday. All right. Happy birthday, Matthew Fox. Miss Shirley, you have a birthday? Yes, today. today. is your birthday. All right. And how long have you known the Lord is your Savior? Since I was 11. Since you were 11. Good answer. Yes. This is the week for birthdays. Anybody else? Miss Stephanie, they're pointing to you. When was your birthday? Thursday the fifteenth. And how long have you known the Lord is your Savior? Since nineteen ninety-six. Since nineteen ninety six, alright. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Birthdays or anniversaries? Alright, we'll start with the young buck over here. Matthew, ten years. What's the secret? Um well it's a lot like your spiritual life. You know, you're always growing and you're closer to God and further away. So it's lot like that when you're stuck. So. Amen, yes it is. So it's like, he said, it's a lot like your spiritual life, you're always growing, and so the, the key is to grow sp- closer together and not further away, but that's, that's true. All right, who's going to go first, Norm or Lila? 57 years. Miss Lila? Be slow to anger. Be slow to anger. <laughs> you're finally learning that one after 57 years, all right? <laughs> Brother Norm? Taught you well. She taught you well? <laughs> Let's sing happy birthday to these young folks. Happy, happy birth, birthday, birthday, birthday to, you. to you. Happy birthday to you.
4: Happy birthday, God
3: bless you. Happy birthday to you. Are the stars here tonight? Are the stars out tonight, so to speak? Uh, Where they were sitting this morning, uh, is we found a ring back there. I don't know if it's one of theirs or not, but if uh, you're missing a ring, I'll leave it up here on the podium. If not, then somebody remind me to remind the stars to look at that uh, before we're done. All right? Come on up, Brother John.
1: Please stand for Abel
3: for Scripture reading tonight,
1: Revelation Chapter 2, verses 18 through 29, a bit of a long one tonight. And unto the angel of the church of Thyatira, write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication and eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, Except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest of Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already. Hold fast till I come. He that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter. Shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father, and I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. May your hearts be sanctified by God's word.
2: You may be seated. Usually we let you sit, but this is actually the last song we're going to sing tonight, so you're going to stand back up, all right? We're going to shorten it so pastor has a little more time, and now we have a little more time for discussion. So we're going to stand and sing all four verses of our hymn of the day, Christ is enough. My sin remain.
5: That must be finished There's a race That must be run There's a mission To accomplish And a battle To be won We've been called To take the challenge By God's might And through His Son He will give us grace To complete the race, moving forward, pressing on, toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received, with the strength that we've earned. Sing on to victory And toward the one who's run before us As we lay each weight aside Till the race is run, Till the prize is won
2: Till we reach the finish line
5: Press on
3: A faithful cloud of
5: witnesses Who inspire us in our task They have fought the fight They have run the race They have won the crown at last And the lives they lived remind us That though the race at times seems long God will give the grace to complete the race and the courage to press on. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received, with the strength that we've been given, pressing on to victory. Victory, and toward the one who's run before us as we lay each way aside. Till the race is run, till the prize is won, till we reach the finish line.
3: I like it. I need uh, the first five people or so that are going to tell me about somebody they've been witnessing to or something. Yes, sir, Mr. Skeet. I see your hand back there. I'm coming. I was going to make you run to me, but I'll come back since I'm younger.
6: You <laughs> hold <laughs> uh, Well, last Monday I was at work and uh, we were out at trick gate, and uh, this coworker of mine he says, "How's it come you're always so happy?" And I said, well, I guess because the Lord's in my heart. And I told him, I said, you could have the same joy that I have. And I said, would you like to ask Jesus into your heart? And sure enough, he said yes. And um, so uh, we prayed the prayer. Then he prayed everything that I asked him to pray for. and, And he prayed that Jesus come into his heart. And he was saved. And he's from India. So be praying for his, I can't say his name. And uh, just pray for him. Amen.
3: Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's exciting. Who's next? Who's been talking to people about Jesus? I see a hand. I see a hand. Miss Anita. Uh, you can hold it. Okay. Skeet okay. was just a coward. <laughs> Mine's kind of a,
7: an unusual circumstance or uh, situation. Um, I have the same doctor for several years, and he knows about everything I went through with my husband's cancer and his passing and everything. And I went for a checkup last week, and we one thing led to the other. I don't even know how we got on the subject, and I was talking about the fact that God led me to write just it's a little just a little book on widowhood, um, talking about things that I learned. And, I, and he said, well, "What's the name of it?" And I said, "It's Christian Widowhood," and it has a a subtitle. And he said, I said, I published it through Amazon Kindle. And he said, well, I don't have a Kindle. I said, you can still buy a book. And I've talked to him because he, you know, through all this, he had been talking about, I don't know how you're doing so well with your husband's cancer. And then when he passed away and everything. And I said, well, you know, God's helping me. But I'm hoping he buys the book because I also included in the back of that, the plan of salvation. You know, how doctors visits are, you don't always have a lot of time to talk. So I'm hoping. That he buys it, and I don't know, having no idea where he is spiritually. But I'm praying that the the seed will be planted, and maybe he'll trust Christ.
3: Amen. Yeah. Praise the Lord. That's what you do. You plant some seed, and see what the Lord's going to do. Miss Joy.
7: Um, speaking of planting seed, uh, just it's a simple thing, but um, one of the reasons we homeschool is so that we can train our children, and we um, we do our best to take time uh, each morning before school to. Um, to take time in prayer for people in our church and our missionaries, and um, and talk about the Lord. And um, it was through that that um, that Titus got saved uh, earlier that last, I guess, last year now. Um, and it's it's a daily thing, and um, it takes time. And I just want to encourage. I know I'm not the only homeschooling mom who does that, and you don't have to homeschool your kids to do that. So um, keep keep training our children um, in the way of the Lord, and He He will bless it.
3: Amen if I can mention about parents talking to their kids, right? So here's one thing I know. When it's your kid, you want to know, right? You don't want to hope. You want to know. And you know how you know? You, you get involved in the process. That's how you know. And I'm just pointing it out to you. Anybody else? Who's next? David?
0: Uh, so the past couple Saturdays, I've been um, making some visits to new move-ins. We have a new move-ins list um, in the office, and we send them a card about our church, welcoming, welcoming them to the community, inviting them to church. And I've gone out with uh, Jaden, uh, William, and Michael, and um, I've just been very encouraged that you know people were open. Um, just this past, not yesterday, because snow and everything, uh, but a week ago Saturday, um, there is a man who. Was like, yeah. I just moved to this area about six months ago. Been looking for a church on this side of town. Haven't been able to find one, and so I was able to make a connection with him. Um, he had to go do something, but I, there's there's like opportunities um, everywhere um, that we've had, and so I'm just I'm excited, you know, because it's it, this new movements thing is just a great opportunity to show up at somebody's house out of the blue and, and invite them to church. And I've the responses to it has been just people are, are nice and open. And I'm excited to follow up with these, um, these people and see, you know, who gets saved
3: from it. Amen. The nice thing about the new move-ins is, you know, that those cold calls are always hard, right? Just going up and knocking on a door. And nowadays, be honest, most of you don't answer your door. If you don't know, you peek through the hole, and I don't know who that person is. And, you know, you're just hesitant. That's just the way it is. You can, you can bemoan it if you want, but it's just the reality of where we are. But the new move-ins, it's just an automatic concept because you walk up and you're you're like, hello, Mr. Jones, because you have their name comes to us on a list, and you just be honest. Hey, we found, you know, we, we get a list of people who are new to the area, and you were one of them. We just wanted to welcome you to the neighborhood and let you know who we are, and it just, it really is a great way to open that door that seems like in the last 15, 20 years has kind of been slammed shut pretty hard. Anybody else?
6: Uh, first of all, let me pre- expect, uh, express my appreciation for those who've been praying that I might recover some hearing uh, in my left ear. And I have, uh, but I do know that at my age, uh, in a few years, I, my hearing is going to be just great because I'm going to have a <laughs> new body. But a while back, the uh, dental school downtown uh, called me back and they called me in. I've been going there for years. How many have gone down there to get your teeth worked on, a few of you? Okay, it's cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they do a pretty good job. And so I was called back there for them to check my teeth, which worked out pretty well. And I've had some men uh, students, and this, but this happened to be a lady. Her name was Olivia. Okay, and if you've been down there, you realize that part of the time is just sitting in a chair waiting for something to happen. And so I got to know Olivia a little bit, Traders Point Christian School, where her parents went, and now she and her roommate go to the Branch Church downtown. And so uh, I got to know them, and at that time, uh, there were three assistants that were working with her. Why three? I have no idea, but that's part of their training, I guess. So, anyway, earlier this month, uh, I was called back to get my teeth cleaned, and uh, Olivia was no assistance this time. She's working on them, and she's about ready to finish up, but she's got to go call the doctor to come check her work. And uh, she comes back and said it'll be about a minute or two. And I said, I know how this works, it'll probably be in 20 minutes. <laughs> and she laughed because she knew that was what's going to happen. So, in the meantime, we're talking. And I said uh, to her, I said, uh, Olivia, do you remember the last time that you were reading your Bible and you came across a scripture verse that really jumped out at you and you decided that, you know what, this verse I am going to try to put into my memory and, of course, to obey. And I said, do you remember the last time that happened? She gave me the answer that a lot of you would give me. I don't remember the last time when I put a verse to my memory. I said, well, I'm going to give you one. And so I gave her this verse, and I said, I can guarantee you, if you learn this verse, you put it into practice in your life, God is going to bless you wonderfully. And there's another thing I would, would like you to do, and she agreed to go along with this. I said, you know what? When you lay down at night, and express your prayers to God, ask yourself this question. Did others see Jesus in my life today? Mm-hmm. And uh, she said she'd, she'd go ahead and try that. Of course, i go back in six months, and I'll find out what, <laughs> what happened. But you know what? Ministry in the dentist chair it can happen.
3: Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Last chance. Anybody else? Going once. Going twice, So this is what we're kind of doing to encourage us to take the gospel outside of these walls and share it. And so we're giving you an opportunity on Sunday nights. I I like this concept of witnessing. I just, I just really do. It uh, just teaches us so much. And so I'm asking that you would just consider, right? Consider that uh, we would... Uh, there we go. Um... That we let the Lord use us to share the gospel, right? This is what we're here for. We're not really here for this, right? That's not why we're here. Uh, this is part of it, but the, the purpose of this is to sharpen us to go out. That's the whole purpose of this, right? We come together, uh, you know, and we, we encourage one another and pray for one another and pray with one another, and we. You know, but the whole point is to refocus us on the things of God as we go back out. And so I encourage you to uh, look for those opportunities to share the gospel. We're going to continue our study of the harmonies of the gospels uh, as we look tonight, if you're going to turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 3. And we're going to begin to look tonight at the ministry of John the Baptist. Tell me something you know about John the Baptist. The Say it again. The okay, he took the Nazarite vow, <laughs> so... Uh, You wouldn't touch a dead body and, you know, wouldn't cut his hair and those kinds of things. Had his head chopped off. He did. That's true. At the end, Jesus' cousin. His mother was barren before him. We looked at that, I think it was last week or two weeks, whenever it was. Uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth. Say it again. He ate locusts. Now, I've heard, I've, I literally have heard people preach on that concept, right? I've heard guys say, it wasn't bugs, it was some flower, you know, it was, I'm just telling you, it's probably a bug, uh, you know, uh, if you look at the Old Testament in the law, there's actually, you know, God's very specific. You can eat these bugs, these bugs you can't eat. I'm, I'm just, read it, I'm just telling you, right? So, because, you know, we in America, we like, eat bugs? And we get, how many of you have eaten bugs? You've eaten bugs before. Okay, so have I, so the bug fest happens over uh, at uh, Southeast Way Park, right? The bug fest is in August coming up, and so you can take your kids to the bug fest and go through, and you'll have a chance to eat bugs if you want. I do. I don't care. It grosses my family <laughs> out. I'm like, I don't care. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. eat anything once, you know? So, and I, I might struggle to eat live ones when I'm aware of it, Right? But you all know, we all know this, right? That do I say this? Am I gonna make it am I gonna make it impossible for you to eat for the next week? That'd probably be good for some of you. But if you'll if you'll look up the Food and Drug Administration stuff, it literally, it literally allows so many bug parts per bag of flour. And I'm, I'm just telling you, you know, you can look it up; it's there because it's impossible to keep all of that away. It just is. Think about the process, right? They're they're literally just pulling the wheat from from the from the uh, plants and throwing it through this machine, and you know, and by the time it gets to the processing plant and all that, there's just stuff. All it just it is what it is. If it bothers you, just you know, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, But, hey, it's just protein. It's better than the flour itself, right? Uh, So, um, you know, but all of those things. um, Yeah, so he ate locusts. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to get off on that one. What was it? I heard a couple things. Anything else about John the Baptist? He baptized Jesus. We're we're probably going to get to that tonight, but next week, Lord willing. So he did. He baptized Jesus. So... A lot of things about John the Baptist, right? And we're going to be looking at John the Baptist and his ministry today. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 3. We'll read verses 1 through 4, have a word of prayer, and then we'll jump into this, all right? In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord make his path straight. And sa- and the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Father, as we look at John Baptist, let's help us to, to learn from his passion and to love you with that passion. Help us to Grow in your grace tonight as we study together, and we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name. We pray, Amen. So, yeah, the Bible literally says here, right? He ate locusts and wild honey. I can get the wild honey part. Um, I don't know if the locusts are like the ones we have here, by the way. If that's that one, would be a tough one for me. I'm just being honest. You'd have to cook that thing a lot, Uh, make it crispy for me. I don't know if I could. I'd try it though once. I'm just that's me. I would do everything only once. So, he is. He is this passionate voice, and John the Baptist, in his preaching, how would you summarize his preaching? Give me a one-word description of John the Baptist preaching. Bold, passionate, powerful, all those things, right? He was like an in-your-face type of preacher. That was John the Baptist. I, uh, as we're looking at um, political ministries, you've heard me say this before, we, we no longer, are you aware that, uh, that um, who just retired, the guy that did the politics downtown. Eric Miller retired, are you aware of that? So we no longer have that representation in our state house. And that's a big deal. I know we still have Matt Barnes, but there's, these are two distinct ministries. And boy, we need an Eric Miller back in the state house. Because Eric Miller was the, was the John the Baptist in the group. I mean, his job was to hold people's feet to the fire. And his job was to be in your face. You know, and then you've got you, you, then you've got uh, Matt Barnes who says, "Hey, how can I pray for you today?" And comes along on that side of it, and he and he's going completely across political aisles in his in his prayer time and just praying for those who are serving us, uh, you know, downtown. And that is a wonderful ministry, a wonderful ministry. But there are two distinct ministries, and we need both of them. You know, we don't getting losing that one. That's a big deal. No one is. No one is there taking Eric's place. So when he retired, he stepped away from that ministry and took the ministry with him. Um, but wow, what a, what a powerful ministry. It's, it's John the Baptist. How do I say this without making it sound really, you know, but it's like John the Baptist was that bold in your face and Jesus is the guy coming along and saying, here, let's have lunch, right? And so you have Eric Miller and you have Matt Barnes, both ministering tremendous ministries. Uh, so that's beside the point. If somebody would feel called to do that, uh, I'm not. So, uh, you know, that would be great. Let's turn to Mark chapter 1. We're going to look at these different verses. The, the whole idea of the harmony of the gospel is to, to look at what all of the gospels say about the specific things. And all of them cover a little bit of John Baptist's ministry. It says, in the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. That's John the Baptist. What is he doing that is going to prepare the way for Jesus? Twice now we've been told, this is the fulfillment of that Old Testament prophecy, he's going to prepare the way. What is he doing that is preparing the way? What do you think? Say it again? I can't hear it, I'm sorry. Preparing the people, right? So he's out there, he's saying... Listen, there, and, and by the way, if you remember, and we're going to get to this maybe tonight. I don't know, but you know, where Jesus points, or where John points people to Jesus, and says, "This is the guy, right? Behold, the Lamb of God, which take away the sin of the world." And we're going to, you know, we're going to see that ministry of John the Baptist. But here he is. He's preaching, and what he's doing is he's focusing people back on the message of this prophecy, that there is a Messiah coming. He's preparing the way, and uh, you know, this has been something... How long has it been that the people have been waiting? How long? What's the gap between Malachi and Matthew? 430? 430 years. I'm going to take your word for it. I can't remember. the, the That's not sounding right in my mind, but I'm not going to argue the point. So here it is. It's been a long time, right? Malachi has ended. The last book of the Old Testament written, completed. And there's silence. There's silence from the heavens, it seems. Now, is God still working? Yes. Is God still doing things? Yes. But there's this silence, it seems, from, from God. And now here comes John the Baptist on the scene. And he is refocusing the people of Israel back to this prophecy, the Messiah's coming. He's preparing the way, and, and it stirs up all of these uh, all of these uh, prof- prophetic concepts as the people begin to come out. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, "Prepare ye the way of the Lord; make straight his path." John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair, with a girdle of skin about his loins. He did eat locusts and wild honey, and he preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I. Now we're adding some information, right? So earlier in Matthew, we see this. Now we're going to add some, some bits and pieces of the information. And, and John says this, There cometh one mightier than I after me. Can you remember anybody saying something like that before? There was, an, there was an Old Testament person who said something like this before. Remember that? It was Moses. It was Moses. Who, thank you, I was like, where did that voice come from? There he, <laughs> it was Moses. And Moses talks about a prophet. There's coming a prophet. And if you read in the passage, it's a capital P. I mean, it's, it's talking about Jesus. And Moses is telling him, there's, there's another one coming. Yes, God has done a lot of stuff here through me even, but Moses, there is a prophet coming, and you need to pay attention, and he's pointing them to the Messiah. Did Moses actually know about the Messiah? Yes, read Hebrews chapter 11. Remember in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says that Moses left Egypt and chose rather to suffer the affliction of God's people for the cause of Christ. I'm paraphrasing it, but it literally says, for Christ There in Hebrews chapter 11. So we see this again, right? This is that same message. There comes one mightier than than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. Now let's stop there for a minute and plant ourselves there. I want us to pick up some things that are worth holding on to as we're studying this. And this attitude is, you would think, well, of course, we all feel this way about our Savior, Pastor John. That's what we would say. Remember what we were talking about this morning, though? Do our actions show forth that? Do we really, honestly, are we, is this the way we feel, that, that we have a Savior, not only who is mightier than we, but a Savior whose shoes We are not worthy to stoop down and unloose. Think about that one. Because how is it that if we have that attitude, we can so readily ignore God's truth and walk out and do our own thing? If that's my attitude toward my Savior, how can I so readily just walk out and do my own thing? This is, I mean, this shows you the heart of John the Baptist. This is. This is an amazing statement. There's another statement that will be coming up later. You, know, you all know it. It's a famous John. He must increase. I must decrease. And that is the way we're supposed to live our lives. In fact, there's a, a T-shirt out there like that, using the greater than and less than signs. Have you guys seen that one? He and uh, increase. And, and you've got to really pay attention to what it is. And decrease. I, if you remember seeing it, he must increase. I must decrease. Um, I think it was Spurgeon, I I think I say this every time I think of this quote and try to share it with you and I never remember to look it up, but I think it was Spurgeon who said something to this effect, the greatest sermons that I preach are the ones where people leave talking about Jesus and not about me, right? When people say, oh, Pastor John, that was a great sermon, Eh, we've missed it, you know, but when people leave and say, Pastor, don't we have a great Savior? Now that's a good sermon, right? Uh, when, when people are leaving with Christ on their mind. That's John the Baptist. That's where he was. Uh, he was like, there is one mightier, and I'm not even worthy to stoop down. Indeed, I indeed baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And then we keep adding information as we're looking at this harmony of the Gospels, and we're looking at John's ministry. He says, listen, Christ is going to bring the Holy Ghost upon us in a unique way. This is not, so help me here. In old, Testament, in old Testament economy, the, old, the Holy Ghost would do what? Come upon people, would empower people. He would come upon them and empower them. And the Holy Spirit could come and go, so to speak, right? We weren't sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until after Christ died, resurrected, made that payment for our salvation, then the Holy Ghost enters us The Holy Ghost indwells us and empowers us on a daily basis. But in in the Old Testament, you know, like Samson would go out and, you know, do wonderful things with all of his great might, but after, you know, Delilah had done her trickery and all those kinds of things, and she cut his hair, the Bible says he went out, shook himself, and thinking that it was the same, because the Bible says he wist not, he did not know that the Spirit had departed from him. He did not know that, right? But now, you know, John the Baptist is saying, listen, Christ is going to usher in a whole new concept because he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit of God. It's going to be a different relationship than we've ever known. In Luke chapter 3, if you can turn over there real quickly, we'll try to get through this first section tonight of John the Baptist. We won't make it to all of his. But Luke chapter 3, now in the 15th year, we're in verse 1. Now the 15th year, the reign of Tiberius, Caesar... Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip tetrarch of uh, Iturea, and of the region of, don't you love these names, Trichonitus and Lysanias and the tetrarch of Abilene, yes, just like Texas, Annas and Caiaphas being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, that's John the Baptist, son of Zacharias, in the wilderness, and he came into all... And by the way, the information that's added there, of course, is about all the other people that are in play, politically speaking, right? And uh, it says, And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be shall be brought low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways shall be made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Now, John is adding information in his preaching. Here's what he's preaching. You're going to see God move in ways you've never seen. This is what John's preaching. He's preparing the way. Every valley filled, every mountain flattened, everybody is going to see that God is moving that the salvation of the Lord is coming. I mean, John is preparing the way because there's an event that is about to take place, and John has been called by God to prepare the way. John chapter 1, and, um, and we'll finish up here. John chapter 1. <clears throat> Starting in verse 6, my life verse. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. I'm kidding, That. It's not my life. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there was a man sin from God. His name was John. The same came to, for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. By the way, there's a lot to pick up right here, right? What is possible for all men to do? Believe. That's what's possible. Might. That all men through him might believe. He's the light. John is bearing witness of the light. That's what John's here for. He's, he, is, he is preparing the way. There's a light coming, and he's about to reach that point where he says, Behold the man, and, and uh, it becomes a big deal. But uh, that all men through him might believe, not through John, but through the light. He that was not that, he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. What, what do you notice about that word light every time? It's capitalized, right? Uh, it is reference to Christ. Uh, that was the true light. Let me, let me show you the next phrase. Which does what? Lighteth who? Every man that what? Comes into the world. Who's not lit? I mean, you've got to catch this. This is really important. Some would argue that uh, God, man is so depraved that God has to make the first move. I don't disagree. My only argument is that God did make the first move. That Jesus was the light. That lighteth every man that cometh into the world. God has already made that, made the first move. He's made it possible for every man to believe. That every man through him might believe. Right? God has made it possible for every man to believe. That's what Jesus did. He is that light that lighteth Every man that cometh into the world. And it's a a big deal that John's proclaiming here. This is going to be something the world has never seen. By the way, the Jewish people are already like perking up their ears here. Wait a minute. Isn't that just us? No. It's the light of every man that cometh into the world. Every man that cometh into the world. And this this isn't uh, gender-specific, ladies. This is mankind, right? You understand that? He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own as his own received him not. But look at this. Now, this is important. Every man might believe. Every man got light. But look at what the Bible says. Read the, show me the next verse up there, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even them to them that believe on his name. Every man has the opportunity. The light's going to every man that's been born. But we have to receive. That's on us. We have to receive. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Is what the Bible says, right? And so here it is. So this is the, this is the message of John the Baptist. This is the, the paving of the way uh, to become the sons of God, even them which were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Is it God's will? Absolutely. So you know we can say, oh see there it is. It's all about the will of God. You're right. It is. You know what the will of God is? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the will of God. I mean, He's made that very clear. That's His will. You know now His desire is for everyone. So it is the will of God that whoever receives Him will be made the sons of God. That's His will. He makes that clear. Uh, anyway, keep going. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John, bear witness of him. Now, this has already happened. He's already amongst us. Nobody really knows it yet. Jesus' earthly ministry is about to take off, but John is preparing the way, right? And here he is, and uh, he bear witness of him, cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, and he was. Catch this. He was before me. Why? Because God's eternal. Because Jesus is God in flesh. If you read the first part of John, you would remember John chapter one. We didn't. We skipped the first five verses, right? But in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was, it was in the beginning with God, right? It's that passage of Scripture. And uh, so here we are. It's this, you know, this great truth about John the Baptist. So if we can grab hold of a couple things. One is, do we have John's humility? Do we understand seriously who it is that we serve? Knowing that one day, this is um, an amazing thing, right? One day we will do what the only thing that we can do. And that is to fall down before him. And take whatever rewards we've been given and cast at his feet, right? Because he is the only one worthy. One day, we will be John the Baptist and recognize that we are not worthy to loosen his shoes. But we do not have to wait to glory to start developing that attitude. John had it. We too can, that we would see Christ this way, that we would see him so high and lifted up that we must see ourselves as we are and unworthy to un- unloose his shoes. That's the first thing. second thing I want us to grab about John the Baptist is his boldness in sharing God's truth. One of the things we've been working on on Sunday nights with these testimonies is, and, and I appreciate I do appreciate, those of you who have been sharing testimonies, and now some of you have done more than one. And, and so what, what I've noticed is, you know what you're doing? You're like waiting. You're trying to give other people a chance to do that. I appreciate it. But, the, you know, the reality is, folks, I mean, if I wanted to be like an in-your-face preacher, if I was John the Baptist here, I would simply walk to someone, put the microphone in your face, and say, tell me about who you talked to Jesus this week. You understand? That's that in your faith. Why, why couldn't we do that? Why are we not doing this? This ought to be the embracing of our Christian walk, that we're here for that purpose. So we're trying to use that Sunday night concept to just encourage us, to embolden us, to say, hey, we need to get out there. And looking for opportunities to share the gospel, John stepped up to the plate, right? He didn't back down. Uh, he wasn't afraid to declare God's truth. But doing so, he didn't come across as that arrogant. Have you ever, um, have you ever heard a pastor? And if it's me, don't tell me. <laughs> have you ever heard a pastor when you, you walk away and you think, he just sounded proud and pompous and arrogant? What do you, you're not so much upset about what he said, it's just how he said it. It's like, okay. That wasn't John. John kept in perspective what he was doing. I am not worthy to unloose the shoes of the one I serve. But I must proclaim his truth. Heads bowed, eyes closed. closed. Well, what about it? What's our attitude here? Are we humbling ourselves before our Savior, recognizing who it is that we're serving? And that being said, are we then taking on the mantle, the responsibility. Because just as surely as God called John, Jesus, at the close of the of the New Testament, looks at his disciples and says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature. At the beginning of the book of Romans, it is, you know, be witnesses unto Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world to carry the gospel. This is why we're here. So, those, those are the two questions tonight. What's our attitude toward the Lord? Do our actions portray that we are John seeing ourselves as unworthy to loosen his shoes? And do we follow up by telling other people about Jesus? Father, make of us, John the Baptist, a willingness to boldly proclaim your truth, a heart of humility, a heart that recognizes you are the mighty, we are the lesser. That you must increase, we must decrease. That we are unworthy even to fall at your feet and loosen your shoes. Grow us up in your son's name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing
2: 824, All That Throws My Soul is Jesus.
3: All That Throws My Soul is Jesus. Who who can can cheer the heart like We could uh, shut the uh, system down from being aired, whoever that is over there, and give me a thumbs up when that's done. It's done. Thank you. I appreciate that. That was quick and easy. Man.